It's Axel. Obviously, this is going to be some kind of mystery about who killed Joffrey. But I was a little bit disappointed in the fact that we didn't get to see either Tywin or Tyrion or, uh, you know, Sansa or someone viscerally kill him, like look him in the eye, kill him for what he's done to so many people, you know? It's Matt. Poor Holly. I bought her a boom stand and it doesn't work very well. Evidently, the arm broke on it because, you know, we're on Matt's Murdoch budget <laughs> where he pays his podcasters and gets the best equipment. Too funny. <laughs> Wonderful panelists. Can testify to the fact that I was completely checked out by the time we did the last two chapters. Is that right? Wasn't I pretty, pretty much checked out, Kelly? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was I was so done with it. I, I you, just... you were about the same level as you were on like the last episode or two of the uh, the Grand Northern Conspiracy. You were you were about there. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't quite that angry. Uh, <laughs> you are listening to Before the Dragon. Yeah, you're going to have to hold my hand a little bit. I'm, you're going to have to hold my hand, man. I haven't talked about this in two years, Matt. Okay, well, we're screwed. But that's the way that goes. Welcome to Before the Dragon podcast. As you just heard, uh, we invited smart minds to this podcast. However, the chances are there are not any of us in the room. Actually, I do have a very smart person in the room. We're going to be talking about the House of the Dragon teaser trailer that came out this week. Everybody got excited. All the musicians started busking on the streets again. It was fantastic. Uh, all of the people are already dissing parts. All, some people are, are praising parts. I'm just excited that we're going to get another Game of Thrones show on HBO. And I am joined by somebody who I am sure, even after two years of not talking about Game of Thrones, definitely knows that he's going to be doing it for the <laughs> you know the unforeseeable future. Who knows how long this show will go on? Uh, but we, he's going to be joining me this time around. You know him well. You've heard his voice from podcast Winterfell. He does lots of great podcasts and is the founder and the runner of the DVR Podcast Network. He's at W Axel Foley on Twitter. It's Axel. How are you, sir? Oh, Matt, I am doing fantastic. Uh, it's it's an awesome treat and delight to talk to you two days in a row. No kidding. Yeah, we just did, folks. If you are interested in the series Impeachment, uh, American Crime Story Impeachment, which is the third season of American Crime Story, Axel is doing a great podcast with Gina on the DVR Podcast Network. You can find it. And we talked about episode five of that series. How many episodes are there going to be, Axel? Ten. Ten episodes, so I got right up to the halfway point uh, with my appearance in the episode. Had a great time. Uh, Gina's super smart, and Axel's super smart, and I kind of said a few things, too. And you should go and listen to that podcast right now. Axel, what else about the DVR Podcast Network do you want to tell people about before we get started? Well, you know, just subscribe to Daily DVR and... Over the summer, we did some of the Marvel stuff, which was a lot of fun. You know, I'm kind of a latecomer to that. I actually was not really into it until my son got into it. 
and mm-hmm. we covered the Captain America show and we didn't do WandaVision, but we did do what was the second one after Captain America? Oh, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yes. Yeah, that that was good. Yeah, that was great. We did Falcon and Winter Soldier. I had a lot of fun doing that. And then, yeah, now I'm doing impeachment with Gina, which has been a lot of fun. I don't know what I've got on the horizon. At a certain point, I was thinking about, I kind of still have plans to do the second season of The Witcher and go back and talk about that because I really kind of got into that. Nice. I think I'm just probably looking, we were talking the other day, probably looking for like a smaller show. I'm finding that, you know, here we are talking about what's the biggest show in the history of the world. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm finding that because podcasting has gotten, has gotten so large, you know, something like Game of Thrones is a holdover. A lot of the same people that we met years ago, we're still talking. Hey, we, we met through Lost, right? Exactly. Yeah. So that it still works. But I think for podcasters like us, I can get a better audience or really it's more of a community going and response going with kind of a smaller show that we can dive into. So I'm kind of looking for something like that. I don't know, maybe that FX show with Jeff Bridges or something. Maybe I'll dive into that with Solo or something, you know? That might be. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, uh, the show that I'm looking forward to and I'll be doing on a Double P podcast will be uh, that we call Bustin' Blockbusters. We're going to be doing The Wheel of Time that's just coming out on Amazon in November. So that's... Up, what's up next for us? It is based on another uh, uh, Lord of the Rings type series, uh, as if the Lord of the Rings series coming up the next year isn't going to be enough. But uh, that, that you know, we're gonna we're gonna break that one down on the Double P Network. Uh, as for this podcast, mattsaudioblog.com. That's all you need to remember. M a t t s audioblog.com. Enough of that stuff, Axel. Let's get into talking about this trailer. First of all. On a scale of 1 to 10, sir, how did this particular teaser make you excited for this show? Did it did it go all out? Was it kind of like, yeah, I've been kind of been out of it for a couple of years, so it brought my interest back, but I'm I'm still, you know, it's like I'm waiting on it. it how do you feel about it? Well, Matt, I would put it at a 10. Nice. Surprisingly. <laughs> Didn't take much to bring me right back in. You know, Game of Thrones is, ah, man, it's like, a, it's like an ex-girlfriend or kind of like a girlfriend that maybe like a friend with benefits or something, you know, but sometimes the benefits aren't so beneficial. Yeah. <laughs> it can put you through the ringer, as you know. Both yeah. have really invested ourselves in not only the story, but the way that that story has spoken to so many people and affected their lives. And we both believe in the power of art. We're both artists. And I really, when Game of Thrones was over, I was ready for it to be over. I really was. I had kind of had enough of the people... And it wasn't even like a taking a side. Like, I'm not like these people were. No, it was just a lot. You know what I'm saying? It was coming in hot, as they say, all the time on all the opinions, including myself. Right. I'm I yeah. part of it. So I totally. That's why it's like it's no wrong. It's just like a kind of 
you know, so I don't know, like a good car accident or something. <laughs> it's weird because one of the things actually that I actually felt, you know, I felt sad for a fandom that was becoming so divided yes. over something like this. You know, it, what, it wasn't so much about how I felt about it. There are things that I might have done differently. Sure. We're all like that. We rewrote Lost like seven times in the season, in the sixth season. And afterwards, there was a lot of division there, too, which was sad. In the end, after time passes, I think more people will come to appreciate it for what it is. Game of Thrones, I mean. And hopefully, uh, the fans will be reunited in this show. At least for the first episode, people, please. <laughs> That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> well, it's it, it, what it reminded me of watching this trailer... It reminded me of why I love this story and why I originally fell in love with it through the TV show, right? Like I was not, and you too, right? Like we both fell with it through the visual medium. You then got way more into the books that are like expert level. I, uh, well, nah. <laughs> and I, I did over this break, which is something... I have I have read this book, Fire and Blood, like 20 times. Nice. Listen to it. So I know this story. So I'm a book reader now, kind of. I mean, it's a different, it's a different experience, right? It's a totally different kind of book the way it's told. But yes. I'm kind of on that side. It was just uh, you know, there was some healing that had to happen, right? Like, yeah, just take a little time. And this reminded me again of just washing all of that away and being pulled in. And I think that they really accomplished it. The little touches that they, I think it was just the right length. I think that the things they showed us, a little battle, a little mystery, no dragons though. Yeah, except for a skull. Skull, true. Um, but like the little uh, voiceover from Matt Smith, what does he say? We got our power, not from dreams, but dragons. Right. And I thought that that was cool, man. And he is just, I think that that if you're going to tie the wagon, like in a sense, they tied their wagon to Sean Bean. I think that this is a smart way to go. He is a commanding actor who is experienced people recognize him but he's not too recognizable i mean he was doctor who yeah i just thought man it really i don't i didn't have any complaints right on well i'm gonna give it uh, a 9.9 uh simply because i can't give anything a 10 i can't give anything lower than a 7 i'm really wishy-washy that way but uh the i'm gonna give it a 9.9 and i loved it uh i my point one is I wanted more. I know they've shot more, uh, whether they had time to put it in some kind of order that would uh, make you more excited. I'm sure we're going to get uh, other teasers uh, as the holiday season approaches uh, in order to try and get people more enticed to HBO Max and that kind of thing. Because this is, it basically is just another campaign for HBO Max, which I am totally cool with. Uh, the idea, though, that, uh, you know, Lots of I don't I'm not sure if they completely wrapped up filming yet or not, Axel, but I do know um, that a good portion of it, despite a slight break for covid, uh, was done this summer and then uh, some additional location shooting done in uh, September 
And I think the first couple of weeks of October, which is where we're at now. So they may just be wrapping up. Uh, but the stuff that they got uh, totally made me excited. So I'm in love with that idea. Do you want to get into breaking this down just right away? Um, yeah, man. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I, I was thinking that I have any other intro stuff. There was something I was thinking about, but I think we kind of covered it, just kind of coming back to it, to it. And, and the hope that I, I believe that this was, even though I was very invested in actually, and really excited about the initial announcement of the prequel, having more to do with the mythology and the white walkers and all that stuff right the long night right um i do think this was the smarter way to go because i think something i've said and i wanted to throw this by you this is the thing i forgot i think that telling the story of the targaryens especially knowing fire and blood will make game of thrones itself work better that i wouldn't i wouldn't disagree with that it makes um, any story more understandable and i think it it makes westeros more understandable so i think people might end up watching this first and then watching game of thrones well uh Lots of people have done that kind of stuff with other stuff, like, uh, you know, now that all the Hobbit stuff is done, um, whether you like Peter Jackson's interpretation of that stuff or not, you now have, you know, what, 50 hours of, <laughs> of films uh, to watch in the world of Lord of the Rings, and then you're going to get a series. So now the series is going to happen before that. So do you watch that before you watch any of the old movies? It'll be interesting to see how people approach that. But I know people that have started with The Hobbit and that, and some people watch Star Wars, right? From uh, They start with the, the first, uh, with the prequel series, and then they go through, I mean, they just go through in the ordered number of the episodes. Yeah. I, I still watch Star Wars from New Hope uh, because I feel like some of the reveals <laughs> uh, pay off better that way when you watch when you watch four, five, six, then one, two, three, then seven, eight, nine. But that's me. I'm, I'm picky that way. My son, Matt. Like, what am I gonna do, right? And I kind of left it up to him, and he he actually gravitated towards his entry being the Clone Wars, the cartoon, nice. and then that being and that's a good one too because it's not it's more episodic. So I think it kind of got him into the mode of the world of Star Wars rather than locked into like the Skywalker saga, you know? Um, yeah. So that's cool. But yeah, man, I don't know. I just, yeah, before we dive directly in, I'd just say that I think that the big, obviously the big point of contention about the last season and the series is Dan and right. how that story was told the rapidity of it, right? The change in the later seasons, we know the deal. And I think that a story, telling a story like this and people seeing like, hey, the, these are the Targaryens. And then people are like, Danny was a Targaryen. Oh, I get it now. <laughs> like, 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 this is going to be some crazy, if this is going to be from Fire and Blood, which we know it is, and just I don't know more than this than we're going to watch. I have no spoilers or anything. It's pretty brutal. And I think that's going to be something that I 
kind of saw in this trailer too or the rawness that always attracted me to game of thrones like in the first episode when i looked at people and was like there's dirt on their face they remembered to do that i love that you know right. like i hate that when people are like it's a medieval saga and like everybody has great teeth and really right yeah, yeah yeah you know exactly well, let's get to talking about it, Axel. Uh, I found 30 little screenshots uh, that I want to, you know, kind of go through. Uh, I'm not the world's best at getting those or at selecting what should be good. So, folks, uh, forgive me. We get an opening first off uh, with the HBO logo, of course, and we see Damon holding a flame. Uh, Damon Targaryen is the brother of the king. Viserys. Uh, Viserys is a name that you know uh, from, of course, Game of Thrones, but this is the first Viserys. It's set, uh, this whole thing is set probably about 200 years before Game of Thrones happens. And Damon is coming through and he's got this flame. He's walking through this very dark place. There were two things that came to my mind, Axel, when I saw this, and I thought, okay, that's Damon Targaryen first. Secondly, I started wondering, okay, now, it looks very similar to the black cells that we saw below King's Landing when uh, Varys came to visit Ned in the first season. Exactly. It also looks familiar to the the kind of the the almost rock like structures within Dragonstone. So it could be either of those places. Not sure which. Yeah, I I think to me what we're trying. I mean, they're launching this trailer for the newest installment of what was the largest, the the biggest production in the history of television. May, and I contend perhaps in the history of film. Wow. I've yeah. been doing some, re I always try to do a little research now and then and try to find what other TV shows were shot in so many multiple countries or, or films for this length of time. You know, there's many films that shot in 14 countries or something, but they shot and then they left. Game of Thrones did it in many places for a sustained period of time and pretty amazingly. But I think just setting the tone, right, bringing us back to that original feeling of we're entering some medieval type shit. This guy, guess what? He has a big ass flame in the dark. And it also brings us back to the just basic ideas of good and evil, right? Darkness and light, fire. We start with fire. That's the thing I thought too. Yep. And here comes the blood. <laughs> yeah. So he he walks on through, and I'm not sure exactly again uh, where it is exactly, but I love that impression. Then we get an HBO original series. Uh, by the way, let me just start off with this, too. I'm not going to put where the dialogue comes in because it comes in between shots. But as you said, Axel, it, it's uh, Matt Smith, who's playing Damon Targaryen, who uh, does the dialogue in this in this teaser. It says, gods, kings, fire and blood. Dreams didn't make us kings. Dragons did. Uh, love that. And it, it goes throughout the entirety of the trailer. It's wonderful. Uh, but we get an HBO original series, and then we go to a shot that looks like it's on a beach. Um, 
yep. obscured behind some some kind of like broken maybe like you're you're seeing this behind like a broken ship or something like that or some wood sticking up which i think again adds to that sense of mystery but also you know a time before time it's dark too right it's you really only see their shadow who's talking yeah it's a kind of a silhouette kind of uh shot of them at their time they're bringing it man what they're they're bringing the high quality premiere tv film-like shots right this isn't a bunch of you know glamour close-up shots or we're just seeing two very artistic moody like scene setting type things which i think is what this trailer was all about like setting the mood bringing us back to that world yeah, and maybe even metaphorically reminding us uh, how dark of a period of time uh, this was uh, for Westeros. Uh, when this civil war happened that they're going to be doing, um, a lot of terrible things happened. Like you said at the top, it's, it's like, I can't wait for this thing to just go crazy. And it will. Um, so I, I love the the metaphor of, of Damon walking through the dark with the flame and then, and then these silhouetted figures indicating a kind of a shadowy um uh, for maybe kind of foreshadowing this the shadowy times that we're about to enter into great catch there sir uh, as far who as far as who it is hmm uh it, it's likely to be based on other shots in this particular trailer i'm going to guess that it's damon once again matt smith and that it is also uh Princess Rhaenyra, who is King Jaehaerys' daughter, uh, and uh, she's going to be played young by Millie Alcock. She's going to be played older by Emma Darcy, and uh, so it'll be interesting to see how well they do their performances. I'm not sure whether they're going to use a flashback kind of sequences or something like that, Axel, or if they're going to tell the story Maybe in a younger version side by side with an older version so that you can see some parallels. It's going to be really interesting how they do the storytelling on this. And I can do nothing but speculate based on what we've got here. But you definitely have two different versions of Rhaenyra and they're both prominently featured in this trailer. So that means we're going to sp- I had wondered if we were just going to spend just a little bit of time with Millie Al- Alcock. But I'm, I'm wondering now if it's not going to be a little more than I suspected originally. Well, this is a great point here matt and a great pickup and i was thinking that it really makes us question the narrative structure like you're talking about in the thrones was a straight narrative we got i mean we got some flashbacks towards the end but they Mm -hmm. rely on that structure right right i think that um and i guess throughout there a little when you think about some little flashbacks here and then but i think that mostly they didn't use that as uh an overall device to communicate the story it was uh i should say they used it just as a short device to communicate one plot point in the story not the overall story so whether or not they're going to actually tell an overall story spanning different time periods I think is really interesting and I had not even considered it, but because it does come from a book, which is a history, 
right? It does open up the opportunity to do that. I also have to think, you know, I mean, it's HBO Max. They want a lot of shows now. If you jump around a little bit, guess what it gives you the opportunity to do? Make a whole nother show telling a little bit of a story that you showed in the big show. So I think that that might factor into them loosening that a little bit more. Excellent. I also think that, you know, the span of time that George, that this story encompasses and that he kind of wrestles with is something that is really interesting. And a a story that I've gotten into, which is actually Dan and Dave's next project. Uh Uh-oh, don't edit the part where I talk about Dan and Dave out. Okay. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, your hate tweets go to at double... At W Axel Foley. Yes. No, send them to at double P. <laughs> yeah. Send them to at the word double, the letter P HQ on Twitter. Um, but the three body problem, uh, which is what Dan and Dave are going to do next for Netflix, which I'm kind of obsessed with, is a story that tell that goes over thousands of years. And then at hmm. one point, you know, spoilers, there's a long period of time that passes. And I think that if they can kind of use time as an element in this story too, to explain it, it would not only could relate very well to the story itself, but then again, back to Game of Thrones, which is 200 years later. Mm-hmm. Excellent point. Excellent points. I love it. Uh, say, Matt, you didn't think I was going to have anything to say today. I uh, I never had a doubt, Axel. I, I never doubt you, brother. Uh, I never doubt that you will bring up Dave and Dan in a podcast. <laughs> I'm kidding. I never doubt that you will have uh, uh, something to say. Uh, you've already said some beautiful things. And here's something that I did want to point out, because after that shot of what I believe is Damon and Rhaenyra, uh, we get another Q title uh, saying 200 years before the fall of the throne. And for the longest time, uh, HBO's official site on the show was kind of what the the original, I guess, pitch was, which was that it was going to be set 300 years, uh, which is where, as you know, as a book reader, that's where George's Fire and Blood book starts, right? It starts with Aegon. Yep. And uh, the whole idea of... Uh, that had me excited that we might, I speculated a while back that we might get an anthology, you know, maybe get a season of, of, of Aegon and Visenya and then get a season of the, the Dance of Dragons or two seasons or whatever it took. And uh, instead, uh, we they finally uh, corrected it officially in the proper place. Now we know that it's 200 years before. We definitely know that we are in the Dance of Dragons period. We know it by these characters that have been casted. Um, so, folks, if you are uh, contemplating reading any books beforehand, you can find all of this, as Axel said, in Fire and Blood. You can also find the uh, the story in pretty much the same form in two short stories that were in uh, basically collections. Uh, one of those stories, look it up, The Rogue Prince, uh, which is much more about Damon. And then also, uh, what was it? The Princess and the Queen, uh, which is the story of 
all of these dragons that uh, battle the, the big the big civil war. So those are the the two stories to look at if you don't want to buy Fire and Blood. I will warn you to find those novellas. It'll probably cost you more to find the two of them <laughs> than it will to be to find Gildane's Fire and Blood uh, instead. So well, I'll tell you what, people. If you are a person who has a library card, Fire and Blood is almost always available on the Cloud Library app. You can almost always get it. Last night I got it, started listening to it again in preparation for this pod. Picked it right up. Right on. That's the way to do it, folks. Um, use your libraries. They need your, your attention for certain. Um, they're there to provide a service for you. And one of the services can be get you ready for this coming series. Yes. Speaking of which, Axel, um, I mean, as I said... Um, they have either just finished filming or they're, uh, wrapping filming up. So how quickly would you expect, can, can you even speculate how quickly we might get this in 2022 is a spring release? Like the game of Thrones releases, is that now out? You think they're looking more at like a fall release? I think it, I think that this has everything to do with HBO max and, I mean, we know that last year, the new head of Warner's, which is HBO, decided to release all the big movies straight onto HBO Max, right? And that was because not only COVID, but because streaming is the name of the game. And I, I don't know that it has a lot to do with when they could actually finish it. I think it probably has more to do with how the fallout. And so I think the last big movie is doing the last big one. I think there's another one that they're doing. And then if there's a lull, you might see this sooner than you think. Wow. That I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't, if I, I'm them, and they're still doing this push. I mean, you see what happened with Apple. Apple made a big stink and they said, we're not giving anybody any more free trials. And then like two, three weeks later, they were like, except Verizon, you get a six month trial now. And, and T-Mobile, you can have one. Like they just totally backtracked because nobody paid for it. Everyone turned it off on their phone, you know? Um, yeah. So I think it's just all about streaming, man. I think, it, I think it's going to be sooner than you think. If I had to say, I think it's going to be probably within the next six to eight months okay. that we'll see this. Uh, and I mean, if they need it to get done, it'll get done. They'll just put more money into it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't, I don't know. This is, it's not as, as if um, they're waiting for like Nick Pizzolatto or whatever to finish the season of true detective or, you know, milch to write deadwood or something you know there it's just a question of probably when they want to have it they'll have it so i mean it, i was surprised there was this much even in this because you'd think that there'd be another trailer sooner than later too exactly exactly that's what i was wondering i'm pretty sure that uh we might get something else uh around whatever their their big uh 
releases coming up on HBO or the big releases on HBO Max. Uh, they're doing The Matrix, right? They're, are they bringing the, the Matrix well, straight to HBO Max as well? I think you're right. I think it's. I think The Matrix and Dune. I mean, Dune is like next week. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. or something. Yeah, and I think The Matrix is in December, so, so you might see another teaser uh, right around there. there or somewhere. We could even get an extended teaser for Dune or so, you know, near when Dune. I don't know if they're going to, that would be fun to do something like that. Surprise me that they don't do more stuff like that. Like when Netflix or like when Disney release a new episode that they, they, well, I think actually Disney did do a little bit of that with Mandalorian, didn't they? Like, yeah started off some fun stuff in the beginning of like black widow or something like that. So I think that that could happen. All right on. Well, let's move on to the next shot here where we've got, uh, this looks like some kind of, uh, vigil or, or remembrance or shrine, uh, to a dragon. Um, and that's a big dragon skull. In fact, I believe that that is the dra- the skull of Balerion, the Black Dread, um, who was the dragon that uh, Aegon, the Conqueror, rode and uh, conquered Westeros with. Uh, lots of candles around it. There's also just the idea, something that we might want to remember is the fact that... Uh, Balerion, the Black Dread, lived for a very long time, longer than Aegon. I think even the King Viserys, who is a character in the show, I don't know at what age, but if I recall correctly, King Viserys even rode Balerion Black Dread one time. So, uh, before... I do remember that from the book. Yeah, before Balerion died. So, um, I think that's the case. So, he may be recently deceased here. Uh, as opposed to, uh, depending on what time frame this is in terms of uh, Rhaenyra's life, uh, it it may be just uh, happened just soon, which would explain all of the candles and all of that stuff as they remember their poor Balerion the Black Dread uh, that destroyed all of Westeros. (laughs) Um, Creepy shot, though. Man. Uh, And I don't know. When I look at that face um i don't know do you see some skin texture on that or is that just a skull with the smoke and everything it's hard for me to see it's really dark i'm looking at it on the tube of you right now and uh it did look i it i connected that shot with the next shot where you see kind of the hand of the kingpin Mm -hmm. um as if they maybe like that person was at that ceremony or something as Ah. like you're saying, like it's happening within the context of what we're seeing, or perhaps it's a memory. Um, But yeah, it did look like it was like the dragon had just died or something. Yeah. And I was when I said no dragons, but that's so quick. That's not like a dragon. No, it's it's a very quick shot. It's not like we. I I don't think that dragon is alive, um, or if it is alive, it's very near death. So, but that does look like Balerion the Black Dread to me. And you mentioned this next shot, uh, which is you can definitely see the hand of the king pin on this gentleman dressed in green. Uh, we believe that that is uh, Otto Hightower 
who plays a very important role. He's the Hand of the King Viserys. He's also the father of uh, Alicent Hightower, who ends up becoming uh, Viserys' second wife. So, uh, because Viserys' first wife dies. So, his relationship with the crown is, uh, he's an in-law, basically, I think, by the time this story joins in. All right. Nothing else there? No, I don't have anything on that, dude. Okay. I'm going to have to learn. <clears throat> and the next shot uh, goes to uh, King Viserys. Uh, you can definitely see that that is uh, Patty uh, Considine, I guess is how you say his name. I am terrible with names, so I, you have to correct me on those kind of things, Axel, as we go along. Uh, but that is King Viserys. Love that sword. Why do I love that sword? Because I believe that is the sword Blackfire, the one that Aegon the Conqueror wielded. Uh, it ended up going missing years and years and years later. Um, and there were wars over uh, other civil wars that involved this sword as well in Targaryen history. So that's really cool. Patty Constantine, by the way, if you look at him on IMDb, he definitely looks like <laughs> like uh, Ben Folds who just spent all night producing William Shatner. Right? <laughs> he's lost his hair. He's, his face has gone longer and wider. And, and he's just, he's, he's broken. He, this, this guy looks like a broken Ben Folds to me. So he was great. <laughs> he's got the forehead. Um, he was great on uh, what was that show? The Outsider. Oh, is that the show that he was in? Yeah, I think that was what it was called, The Outsider. That was a great show. Excellent. But Excellent. that was also very, again, very artistic, uh, kind of losing focus shot. Beautiful stuff. Really setting a mood here. Much more, very film like. You know, they always treat Game of Thrones like it's a movie. Yes. Uh, Game of Thrones uh, always looks very cinematic for certain. Um, and uh, I guess, you know, with with uh, Miguel Sposnik doing uh, show running duties and he's directing the pilot, at least probably more episodes than that. I haven't checked IMDb lately if they've put anything up on that, but or really any spy reports or anything like that, to be honest. Uh, but, yeah, you know, he's the one who gave you hard home. He's the one who gave you uh, the, uh, the the long night. Uh, so that's Matt. You hit something there, which I can't believe it took us so long to mention, too, which is that the crew, uh, the people who are doing this have done it already. They made Game of Thrones. Right. Right. They didn't go out and get completely all new people and then you know they're going to have a lot of the same companies working with them a lot of the same set people costume people dialogue you know all this kind of stuff um and we see it throughout we're going to get to some little of these battle shots and the armor is freaking awesome um yeah you know just like you're saying look at the sword everything looks great it's of exact high quality of game of thrones and i'll venture to say something matt what's that it it does look you know the last couple seasons game of thrones did get a little shinier didn't it? Mm -hmm. 
And this looks a little darker and a little dirtier. Like I'm saying, like even looking at walls and things in the back, just I'm liking that very much. It's so funny that you bring that up, Axel, because I'm always like, uh, if a show goes more than two seasons and everybody's getting successful, I always say, oh, wow, the, the look of the show and the look of the characters changed. And <laughs> I, you saw that in Game of Thrones, too. Uh, happened a bit on Lost, too. <laughs> happened happened a bit on Lost as well. Happens on every show, I would imagine. Uh, whether it's more noticeable or not, I, I, I don't know. But it, it seems like that happens to me a lot. And you're right. This feels much more like the look of season one of Game of Thrones. And on top of that, with some things that we'll talk about later, you know, you can definitely tell also that this is a time period before, based on furnishings, based on the windows, all kinds of things that you can see uh, that definitely define it as a different time period. And I love that. Um, but I do totally agree with you that it, it it's uh, it doesn't have that shininess of, of season eight of Game of Thrones, for sure. Moving on to uh, another title card, A Dynasty Reigned. So you have to remember through all of our talking, they were saying 200 years before Game of Thrones, A Dynasty Reigned. Uh, this is the dynasty that we're showing here. And then the next sets of shots is uh, the Millie Alcock version, once again, of Princess Rhaenyra. Once again, she is King Viserys' daughter. I don't know, you know, it's, I'm be trying to be very careful not to spoil about plot points. Um, but let's just say that for a long period of time during uh, Viserys' reign that Princess Rhaenyra was alive, she was considered the heir apparent uh, because his sons had, um, or his son, I guess, had uh, died in childbirth by his uh, first wife. And she died too, uh, I think shortly after or, or during childbirth. So don't quote me on that because it's been too long since I read Fire and Blood. <laughs> uh, but uh, wonderful white uh, side shot of her and there's flames all around. And then the, the shot where you're looking at her straight on um, from the screenshot that I have, it doesn't, it's not very apparent, but she seemed upset to me. Uh, she's dressed all in black as well. So could this be some kind of uh, funeral? Could it be a funeral for Balerion the Black Dread? Yeah. I'm not sure. Could be. Hey, you know, I mean, hey man, how many times have we sat and looked at a trailer and then it's all from like the first four minutes? Mm. <laughs> like they just come, yeah. right? It could it could be that, but it's still it's evoking the style of it. And the next shot that we get to um, on the beach, uh, I don't think I'm skipping anything, right? Uh, the candle shot. I wanted to do oh, that okay. candle okay. shot uh, because there's a bunch of candles on a wall and they get blown out in mass at the uh, all at the same time. And that, to me, kind of implies that uh, uh, something that could blow out that many candles must be pretty darn big. I'm wondering if it's a dragon blowing all those candles out. Yeah, that's cool. And that, and that actually very nicely always cut on action. The number one rule of editing is to cut on action. And action can be anything. It can be moving the camera or motion within the frame. 
those candles are blown out and then we go right to that kind of that beat shot and his hair is blowing in the wind mm-hmm. like that little touch there right the nice it's a nice connection you're absolutely right and that of course is matt smith it's damon uh targaryen as we know as i said he's the brother of viserys um now interestingly enough he is with the older version of Rhaenyra, who is played by Emma Darcy. Um, actually, I don't know if you caught this or not, Axel, because I don't know how much in touch you've been with it all, but there were lots of shots of them, I think, in this costume during the daytime um, that they did official photos for as well. But there were lots of spy shots where it looked like they were actually filming stuff. Yeah. So I stay for night, dude, 100%. Yeah, and I wonder if actually this stuff was shot during that time simply because uh, because of the relation of the costumes. And these days, with everything going so digital, you can change the, the grading, right? You can, change, you can change the color grading to make a daytime scene feel much darker. Yeah, um, I, mean, you could, I mean, you could always do that. The famous film, Day for Night is based the technique is as old as film which is just putting a, a filter in front of the lens okay it that works. it creates the illusion but the way that they're using it is really cool because it also adds a mystery right in a haze i think that it's up a couple stops as they say because they're they're allowing a little bit more you can see the light coming from behind unnaturally kind of coming from behind the light dune behind them yes and on their faces too which is would probably only be cast by like a really bright full moon with okay amount of power to have light like that and that evenly so it's kind of i i I, I mean, this is what, one of the reasons, again, why, I mean, as a home person, Game of Thrones is fucking amazing. And I am always offended whenever anyone makes fun of Game of Thrones <laughs> because I always just think that the, it, what it took to make this production and how they really did shoot this, like an eight-season film, you know, Um it was eight yeah. seasons, wasn't it? I always forget how many seasons. It was eight seasons. Okay. You are correct. Um, should have been seven. <laughs> should have been a should have been a, a thirteen episode seventh season. Uh, but well, regardless, they have did a lot of day for night, a lot, and I love day for night. I think it's a great technique. I tried to do it a lot of times, and that I did. Um, you get a really eerie feeling from it. And I think that it comes across really well right here. Excellent. Are you ready to move on to the next shot? Or do you have any thoughts about Damon and Rhaenyra here? Let's do it. We got a lot coming through. We have then, I think this is going to be one of the tourneys, I believe. There, there's lots of great tourneys, uh, if you recall. Uh, there are two factions of the Targaryens that eventually get into this civil war. They're called the Greens and the Blacks. And where that nickname came from was because of the way that uh, certain people appeared at certain ceremonies for great tourneys or for um, maybe weddings and that kind of thing. And the first of these tourneys, it looks like there's a uh, 
and I, again, I could be wrong. This could be a personal duel or something. I don't believe that it is. Uh, but the first one that we get is a shot of a guy definitely with a Targaryen shield um, slicing at another guy. But I didn't see the other guy's shield, shield so I don't know who he is. Um, I suspect that this is also Daemon Targaryen uh, based on all of those red colors on his helmet. But that's grasping at straws more than it is knowing. Um, but uh, good action shot. Looks like the guy's not going to do so well uh, against Damon <laughs> if it's Damon. <laughs> this is just great, man, because you have to have something like this, right? People want to see the sword play. They want to see the armor, the weaponry, uh, the, the, you know, the joust, the tournaments. This is, this is stuff that I think viewers get excited about. I'm glad they're showing it. I'm glad it's a part of the show. It looks amazing. I was saying before, I was kind of stuck on this image a little bit in the trailer. This is really the one that caught my eye the most, too, because you just get that wall behind them that's like dirty and wet. And, mm -hmm. you know, you can see like soot on it. Their armor is beautiful. I mean, the armor is just amazing. I'm looking at it now, and it's like it looks like Another reason why you might be right about Damon too is because it so much looks like a dragon. Mm -hmm. um, he's got the big like wings on the helmet. He's got the dragon scale on his what is that called a scabbard? That's almost like a skirt. I don't know if that no the scabbard is for the sword. I'm not like a I, I'm not an expert on weaponry. I'm, I'm a pacifist. Yeah, me too. So, <laughs> so we're not going to be able to. I I know a shield when I see one. That's about it. <laughs> I can't, swords are hurt people. I don't like hurting people. Um, but it looks cool, and even just a little detail on the wall, you know, the locations they choose. One of the great things about Game of Thrones is when they chose a location, they didn't say, "Okay," like so many places place in Hollywood do, and whenever I'm like talking to people that are still in the business or even on like Facebook groups or whatever people chat. And I've experienced this too, is where like the location person will find someplace that the director wanted. They got the information through the line producer. They, they, the director sees a picture of it and say, Oh, that looks okay. That looks good. Let's see what we get there. Then when they get there, they end up like freaking blocking half the thing out with green screens. Right. And right. you might as well have just shot the thing in a studio. And what Game of Thrones always did is they added to the existing architecture, right? right? They would double it or make it larger. They wouldn't obscure it or remake it. So, I mean, this is probably real, but it just looks every element of it is authentic looking. And I love it. I miss it. Yes. I was just in awe of that, that, that helmet. With the wings on it. I want that in Lego. Ah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> Lego, uh, contact the DVR Podcast Network. I'm sure he can work out a deal advertising uh, your product as long as he gets lots of free stuff from you. Ooh, hey, man, I am finishing up my medieval horse carriage that I made. Uh, uh, like it's a, it's a whole barn carriage house, I should say. I'm going to have instructions i'm getting into this so i'm 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 really i am getting kind of turned on by all these different weird design elements and um and the clothes and stuff you know 
they just man they they put so much time and quality into it we're about to get to a couple of shots here of a gentleman that you can introduce and his look and his clothes are amazing that would be corley's if i said that name right uh kelly will be screaming in her uh at her out into the air as she listens to this podcast as she promised she would listen to uh corley's valarian uh played by steve toussaint Here's here's a little trick that we're going to have to learn, Axel, and it's going to be tough for me. Uh, Patman, uh, Patman23 on Twitter, who is my nemesis on Twitter, told me that I better not mispronounce these names. And I'm going to anyway, but uh, the, the rule of thumb that I keep in mind when I think of Valyrian, yeah. which is steel to cut off your ears, Valyrian, versus this group of people the Valarians, and they are sea people. Uh, thus, they're pirates, are Valarians. Oh, okay. Because, <laughs> you know, I'm the worst. I'm from New Jersey, first off. Uh, secondarily, I still can't pronounce Varus or Varies, or I still can't do it. And I, Donald is probably already writing a bad review for this podcast because I mispronounced that. It's tough, man. You got to do what you can do. Yeah, so have the respect to try. That's what I was taught. After I, you know, and another thing, Axel, to remember is never listen to me about pronunciations because I'm sure I'm going to get lots of hate tweets at the letter B, the number four, the Dragon Pod on Twitter, uh, saying that I still mispronounced it somehow. But the Valarians are people from old Valyria, yep. from where the doom happened. They are one of the uh, families that survived that and came to Westeros um, or managed to get out of there before it happened. Uh, and they are the, the person here, Corlys Velaryon, is uh, a person that they call the Sea Snake because he is a great sailor. Um, interestingly enough, House uh, Velaryon also has a seahorse as their sigil. Uh, so anytime you see a seahorse, you say, oh, well, they're at least... Uh, loyal to House Valarian. Um, but because they are Valarian, they also tend to have the same kind of blonde-colored hair, uh, despite any differences in skin pigmentation. Uh, they, their hair all, all seems to be blonde. If you're from uh, Valyria, then you have blonde hair, it seems like, or a lot of them do in any way. Cousins, uh, you know? And yeah. I, lo I love that they have added some people of color to the cast here in roles that are equal to that of the other people in the cast. Because there was kind of a history in the Game of Thrones of like, it had to be like a warrior type guy. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the typical kind of stereotypes that we've seen uh, throughout film. Um, and I, and you know, I, my hope is that this doesn't become a thing. I don't think, I wouldn't think that there's been changes. I mean, Danny was supposed to have like purple eyes, right? Right. Uh, and I mean, there's many different looks. George was fanciful and continues to be, I'm sure. He, like me, is from New Jersey. Uh, so we're fanciful people. <laughs> when you think of New Jersey, don't you think of fanciful, Matt? <laughs> uh, 
Always, always, Axel. That's exactly what I think of. Just fanciful. That's a word I like now. But I dig it, man. I think the dude, I mean, the look is awesome. And when you see all the people coming towards you, right, that look like are of the same family, right, Mm -hmm. that is just, they all look awesome. And like I say, it's good to see some different faces because when Game of Thrones premiered, I think one of the things that we all kind of said, like, looks like an old BBC show, right? But yeah, this is something different here. And so and I think that obviously over the past couple of years, we've become more used to Hollywood in general, giving more opportunity to people of color. So I think that's awesome. And you're right. There is a whole family. The the whole Valarian family seems to have come with Corley's to some kind of event. Uh, there's a shot where you can see most of them all facing the camera. And uh, in that shot, you can see his younger brother, who is uh, Sir Vaymond Valerian. Uh, and then you have Corlise, uh, again, played by Stephen Toussaint. Uh, v- uh, Vaymond is played by Will Johnson. Uh, then uh, Corlise's son uh, is kind of back and behind him to his left. Yeah. Um, and that is Sir Lenor Valerian. And uh, then we have the person that he is married to, and she is a Targaryen, Rainey's Targaryen, I believe, uh, played by Eve Best. Um, so I, I love that shot of them all together. And they are uh, a very uh, formidable family. Let's just put it that way uh, without spoiling too much of because uh, I had heard a rumor, you know, how you mentioned earlier that they said, uh, or you said, uh, you know, show a little snippet of this and then you can tell a bigger story in another show. I had heard uh, or seen, seen maybe on Variety or something uh, that one of the other Game of Thrones spinoffs that was being considered is one regarding the sea snake. Snake, yeah. So... Uh, that sounds like it's going to be uh, pretty awesome if they do that as well. Yeah, you know, just- Matt, you just, man, it's hard to tell, right? Because look at what happened with Disney and the Marvel shows, right? We were, they were like, we're going to do this show. We're going to do that show. And everyone was like, yeah, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was good. And we had the Netflix shows, but you're not really going to give up, you know? And then right. we did it. Right. And then we now, I mean, it's less than a year later, people are expecting everything, you know, <laughs> like the sky's the limit. So it very well could be that they are, and I don't see why they would not kind of roll out an expanded universe. The, 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 the main difference is, I think, the cost. These, you know, there's a lot of special effects in those those Disney shows can cost a lot of money, but a lot of times they were also shooting on that volume, just like the Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, and that's a lot cheaper and they don't have the same level of costumes and outside. So that's what always, that's the thing that pulls me back from saying, Oh, we're going to see that in by Christmas or, you know what I'm saying? Like from, Really, because I don't, I don't see why, especially under the new mandate, and you got the head of program at HBO, used to run Discovery Networks. Isn't I mean, 
It's only mm-hmm. a matter of times till you and I are hosting a like a freaking Game of Thrones trivia show on HBO Max, Matt. I, there's going to be like four of them. You know, I mean, I don't under, I don't see why they just wouldn't create a whole channel and start pumping these things out. Um, but it is it costs a lot more money, and I wouldn't want. I don't think you can shoot Game of Thrones in the volume. Yeah, probably not. It just uh, it would come off the same. You need that realist. It needs to kind of almost look like it was sh- more shot on film, like it's old, you know? Right. Yeah, exactly. And even as that shot continues and we see it from oh. Corley's perspective and you see the, the throne room yes. in the Red Keep, which is just beautiful. And there's, I mean, all of those people, just that set. Uh, I don't know if any of that was digitally added or not. I do know, we both know that when they filmed Game of Thrones, they just built a whole thing uh, and and shot it that way. Um, so I don't suspect they would do it any differently here. Uh, you have, I can't tell who those two people are that are seated at the table. One, you have to suspect it's King Viserys and either uh, Alicent Hightower, who would be his wife, uh, given the age of Corley's. Or uh, I, I guess it could be Rhaenyra, possibly, not certain. Uh, but anyway, it looks like they're having a big feast here, uh, some kind of celebration. And uh, nobody's sitting on the throne. They're all just seated at a table. And uh, it looks, uh, it's probably the warmest uh, the, the throne room has ever looked, to me, at least. It looks, it looks friendly. It looks like Christmas. It does kind of look like Christmas. <laughs> Not quite to the level of Linda Tripp's uh, Christmas decorations. No, but no, no, no. But just as evil, though. Just <laughs> oh, love it, love it, love it, love it. Uh, I think that's Rainey's in the foreground there. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, it's a beautiful shot, and it speaks Game of Thrones. And it make you know what it made, immediately made me think of the great scene of all our cast of heroes hanging around at the fire that last night, you know, in the last, yeah, it just, oh man, it brings me back to that and brings a smile to my face and hope in the hopes that I'll get, that we'll all get to know these characters in the same way. That's one thing is that game of Thrones was funny. And I hope that this is funny too. And I think it should be. I really hope it's funny. After this trailer, I have no doubt it's going to look kick-ass, and I'm very happy. But I want to—I want to see some funny characters. You know, where—where where is, where's our Peter Dinklage here? You know what I'm saying? Where? Yeah. Where's our? I was with the wry smile. You know. Yeah, I was disappointed that there doesn't seem to be any casting for a mushroom, uh, who is the court jester, uh, who is feet his. His narratives are featured a lot in the books. Uh, so far, I have not seen anything of that, which I feel is a shame because a lot of humor could come from that. Uh, maybe not uh, anything but gaudy humor or, or, <laughs> or uh, you know, uh, adult-appropriate humor. But nonetheless, it would be humor. Um, somebody that I won't be laughing at is in the next shot, Axel. That is uh, Missaria. Uh, she is, uh, let's just call her the Melisandre of this time. Uh, she's played by Sonoya uh, Mizuno, and uh, she's from Essos, just like Melisandre. Um, I believe that she has ties to uh, Damon, 
Um, and she eventually plays a very important role in one of the administrations that we're going to see as time goes on. And also a um, keeper of secrets and perhaps close to my friend who I cannot ever pronounce, Varys. Yes, yes. She is kind of the Varys of this of this time period as well. She's very good at that kind of thing. We switch to another woman who uh, is going to be coming, if not, I think probably in this time period, uh, because she's, this is the older version played by Olivia Cook, uh, who is, uh, Alicent Hightower, who is holding a dagger. That dagger might look familiar to you, Axel. Do you recognize that dagger? Uh, I believe I do, Matt. I believe that is the same dagger that killed the Night King. I believe you are correct. The one that Littlefinger used uh, to uh, frame Tyrion and uh, eventually it ended up in Bran's hand and then he gave it to Arya and then Arya did wonderful things uh, with that dagger. So love that, love that, love that, love that, love that. Um, also, uh, I and the way I know this guy is mostly from the series Outlander. Don't judge me. Don't judge me for watching Outlander. Uh, but uh, Graham McTavish is... There in the background, and he uh, on on, I guess that would be Allison Hightower's left. Uh, he's kind of out of focus, but he is playing a character by the name of Harold Westerling, Sir Harold Westerling. Uh, he is the head of the King's Guard at some point during this saga as well. So he is kind of the oh, um, was Danny's right hand guy before he got killed in season five. Um, <laughs> saved her, saved her, saved her from the uh, saved her from the the the, the scorpion creature. Um, the second. What, what's that? Who who we talk, who we talking about? Uh, oh, uh, Sir Barristan. Oh, Sir Barristan. That's the name I was looking for. Talking about um, uh, what's his name that they flip the actor of? Oh, uh, Ill and Payne. No. no um, but, um uh you know they put in the uh uh the guy from uh um Treme. Oh yeah 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 that was Dario Nahara. Dario yes oh Dario 2.0 1.0 and 2.0 I forgot. 1. Point, Fa- uh, Fabio Naharis and Dario Naharis. That's what they the nicknames they ended up coming up <laughs> yeah. calling those guys. Did that guy actually turn it down to, to to take a movie? Or I mean, he did. He did end up. He was in like a Hitman movie or something, wasn't he? Or yeah, uh, he claimed music career, film career, all of his uh, stuff. I'm not sure that he wasn't just let go. That's uh, what I mean. Yeah, you never quite know, but that's okay. <clears throat> yeah, at least he had something to do afterwards. So that's a nice thing for that guy. So. But also, this guy is standing very Jamie like. He is kind of. It, it looks like that he sees her moving with the dagger, and he's starting to move towards it too, because that seems like his job. Yeah, exactly. That quick go, because he's pretty far behind. <laughs> pretty, pretty far behind her. He's <laughs> maybe his eyesight's not as good as it used to be, Sir Harold Westerling. Okay. Uh, excellent. We go back to the, uh, more shots of a tourney. I won't say it's the same tourney as we saw. Uh, what we believe is uh, Damon Targaryen fighting in. Uh, but, you know, they have all kinds of different things. Uh, if you remember from season two of Game of Thrones, they even have melees. Uh, that's where uh, Catelyn met Brienne. Um, they have jousting matches, which we obviously saw in season one. 
with the Hound uh, having to save Sir Loris from the mountain, from his brother, uh, which ended up with the, the Hound pushing them both into a fire in Season 8. Uh, but it's a jousting match. Um, I'm not all that great with sigils, folks, uh, so I don't know for sure, but it looks like one of the horses in the first shot of this has uh, some kind of sash on the saddle uh, that looks like the Bolton Cross. Don't hold me to that. Um, it could just be an X that I'm unfamiliar with. I don't really see the man hanging on there, so and uh, the colors don't seem quite right. It seems gray and, and gray rather than any red in it, which I thought was significant for the Boltons. Uh, as the horses approach each other and you have that overhead shot, you can definitely see that the guy on the other side has a shield with the uh, uh, a red hut huntsman on a green field, uh, which book readers will recognize as uh, somebody who is loyal to House Tarly or somebody who is part of House Tarly. Um, so that's interesting there. Whether we'll meet any Tarleys or not, I have no idea. He may just be... They may just say his name and that'll be that. Um, but I don't know who else that might be. Um, another thing, I believe it was Den of Geek or maybe it was some YouTube. And I'm sorry for not properly crediting. But they had captured a shot of a, a Stark sigil, the dire wolf. Uh, I could not find it. Um, so I, I just left it out of the shots that we're looking at. Um, but if that were the case, the leader of House Stark at that time would be Cregan Stark. Not that he would necessarily be participating in the tourney, um, but I believe at this time it would either be Cregan Stark or his father uh, during these tourneys. I'm so. trying to catch it, but it's 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 you can only see it at the very top when they show the horses, just the legs and torso of the horse. Okay, you can see it very very slightly at the top and i saw a picture of it and it definitely looked um like it was stark so but excellent to me this is i say good show people that little action right setting the tone again the colors are beautiful the whole thing looks amazing i love it I love it, too. And the action doesn't stop there, because in the next sequence, uh, we have two guys fighting each other with swords, whether they're practicing. Looks or, practicing or, to me, Matt. When I looked back at it, um, they, they they look like those wooden practice swords. Okay. Or not wooden, but they look a little dull. But then again, when I look at it now, they look like they really are fighting. And the strange thing is, okay, now I'm seeing their faces of who it is. Okay. Yeah. So I believe that uh, this is uh, Sir Lenor, uh, Lenor uh, Valarian, yep. who is fighting on the right uh, in the first shot, or you get the you get his face uh, in the second shot, and the other person. Um, this is pure speculation uh, because it could be any one of. Um, Certain a certain Targaryen line ended up with black hair as opposed to the the typical blonde hair. Um, but I believe that this is probably Sir Harwin Strong, played by Ryan Core, um, who is is fighting with Sir Lenor. Um, so that's just my guess. I don't have exacts. 
there, there seems to be a fair maiden in the background as well. Oh, that's true. I don't know who that is. I just wanted to say there seems to be a fair maiden in the background. Oh, well, there you go. Granted, it's it's in there now. <laughs> uh, speaking of fair maidens, we have a fair maiden approaching the Iron Throne. I love what they've done with the Iron Throne this time around. Um, it's uh, Again, it's Rhaenyra. Uh, she's approaching the Iron Throne. <clears throat> I'm sure that many Game of Thrones fans have seen the illustration uh, of the Iron Throne where it just seemed like it overflowed into the room all of the swords and everything. And uh, I remember that, uh, was it Littlefinger and Varys in the show kind of made a meta joke saying, you know, that's not nearly a thousand or thousands of swords or whatever. Uh, so uh, they've tried their best to correct that here. Uh, probably Rob, you can explain that Robert Baratheon uh, being as large as he was, didn't want to stick himself on his way to the Iron Throne and had all of those removed. Uh, if you want to, if you want to try and play it with the Game of Thrones continuity, uh, I, I think it works, and I'll tell you why. Because story-wise, like we're talking about this little darker time, right? Um, mm -hmm. You could see at the time when the story of Game of Thrones is told, the idea of um, the kingdom, like the king being too opulent, right? Yeah. Making things easy. That was kind of something that had like pervaded the countryside or whatnot. Right. And it's a, it's kind of a theme of the show, isn't it? The, the, the plebes versus the upstairs, downstairs kind of aspects of the show. Yeah. So I think that it's cool and it makes sense and it kind of communicates like you thought that was bad back then. Well, now it's even worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? And on, on top of that, Axel, it feels to me like, um, you know, if we've just seen kind of the end of Balon the Black, Black Dread, if we're just seeing the end of the Black Dread, then maybe we have uh, the idea here that a lot of other things about Aegon have been left in place mm -hmm. uh, and could be, uh, you know, uh, eventually, maybe even during the course of this series, be swept away. So oh, it certainly makes the throne look more ominous for certain. I think you bring up something, Matt, which I would suppose would be a theme change of which is of Game of Thrones, too, of change, right? And of succession yeah. and of who has the vision for the future and we need to change what is old for what is new we need to burn it all and start again right like that kind of attitude i think is pervasive through game of thrones and it makes sense thematically so you know you know me man i'm not really one to get caught too much on i could just say it just looks cooler that'd be fine with me if it fits, you know, with the story, they don't have to make some big like webisode explaining why it looks like this now. I think we'll probably get that feeling very early on, you know. Uh, Axel, you're talking to the guy who invented Matt's tomatoes. Give me my moment, sir. Give me my moment. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Um, <laughs> this is not well. Guess what, man? You can you impale a lot of tomatoes on that uh, throne right there, my friend. Uh, yeah, that's right. I, I do like 
I really do like that it brings that idea of, you know, the stories of like people impaling themselves on the throne and getting hurt just sitting on it, right? And uh, mm-hmm. and the idea also that there's a cost. It pay, you know, there's a cost to be the boss. And that that cost is paid in blood, baby. I love it. And the shot that they choose too to first kind of show it from like an over the shoulder shot as yes. if the throne was a person, the way it's framed is very interesting. Um, as though the throne is looking at the person who is coming in. Uh, Absolutely. That's the last sequence that we really get. Uh, one other note that I wanted to make is that there is a point in history where the windows change. So I can't even Matt's tomato that the fact that it looks different than from the original uh, the original set where you had that stained glass behind the Iron Throne. Mm-hmm. Um, that's uh, all perfectly aligned uh, with the history that George has written. So I love that. Uh, the fact that those windows are, are like that as opposed to having the stained windows, uh, stained glass windows. Yeah. I love um, how they just went for it with all those swords. And there's like even like just broken blades on the ground you know, like in a trail, I think it looks amazing. It's brutal. And I, and, and in, in relation, in uh, regard to what you were saying about the changing of the window, trust me, man, I don't think these people are ever going to forget the Starbucks cup. So (laughs) they're doing their research. You know, they're going to, I'm sure that I wouldn't be surprised within the first couple of interviews that they make allusions to that right mm-hmm. say things like we've we real this time we really tried to blah, blah, like that kind of to try to win people back in a sense because you know re- whatever you're gonna say there's a huge audience for game of thrones huge 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 that dwarfs the community of book readers and such right and people who are listening to this and watching youtube videos and stuff just general people watching but they know that the heat comes from within, baby, where the fire burns brightest. And they don't want to do no more Starbucks cups, I hope. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, and it, then you get the big sigil of the uh, of the Targaryen. You get the Targaryen sigil and flames coming through it. Uh, a wonderful effect that shows you just how volatile this family is and and the volatile circumstances that we will have in this show uh finally game of thrones house of dragon uh title card and one last title card saying 2022 love uh the way the ending was set up it just makes you want more uh or it made me want more anyway uh because i always want more because i'm never satisfied uh, I'll I'll find a Matt's tomato to make myself unsatisfied if I am completely satisfied. And that's the way that I do it. But I just love this ending sequence to get you really pumped up. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's just next year. That's not long at all. Uh, so love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. I do want to suggest one commentary on the actual titling here. Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon. It's not Game of Thrones presents, right? It's right. not a song of ice and fire, House of the Dragon. Um, it's not a Game of Thrones story, <laughs> right? 
Yeah. Um, I was wondering about that. Was it going to be, you know, the game the from the world of Game of Thrones, or were they going to maybe? I was thinking that they might try to claim Song of Ice and Fire, you know, mm-hmm. a bit there or something. But I, I just I think it looks great. They continue the little um, kind of like three lines and all the O's, and yep. and actually, if you look at it, those. The O's in house and dragon almost look like dragon eyes. Ooh, nice. I like that. Right? I like that. That's you cool. See, you could see a, I'm getting my, my film mind is coming. The thing starts moving towards you. And as it moves, the three lines turn, right? And the dragon yeah. eyes open. And ah, they should have yeah, to do that, man. But um, yeah great i like the way that they're ca- did they always carry the t all the way over the h-r-o-n-e-s on thrones didn't they oh. the t used to be smaller did they always carry the t like that i don't recall axel to be perfectly honest i'd have to look at uh credits and other shots hang on a second game of thrones logo oh they did it did always carry the t like that okay Okay. I'm looking at the logo right there. Yep. Yep. It certainly does. I don't know that, that if I knew more about, um, there's a, there's a word, is that a serif, right? Is that what a serif is? I'm not sure. Yeah. Like serif and sans serif, a serif is any type of slight ornamentation of a letter. It would okay. really, it would be like the little like downward push on the end of the T rather than the whole T itself. But all right, good. We learned a little bit of language. <laughs> we learned graphic design. We learned all kinds of things. I'm talking. All right. I'll let you finish this, Matt. <laughs> well, uh, we've got uh, just a little segment of music and uh, where I talk about the themes that were used. I'm not sure that uh, Javadi actually scored this or not but he definitely gave permission for his themes to be used he's going to be doing the scoring naturally on this podcast you'll get musical analysis of ramin javadi's score so we've looked at the pictures regarding this teaser we've analyzed some of the dialogue as well naturally this podcast has to talk about the music and it uses two themes from ramin javadi during this teaser Neither of which should be a surprise. Something that was kind of surprising was the swelling synth stuff. This is much more typical of Ramin doing the Westworld soundtrack as opposed to the Game of Thrones world that we're more accustomed to. And it's really difficult for me to say whether Ramin actually composed the music for this particular teaser or not, or had it performed or if it was something merely put together using his themes. And the reason why I say it's always difficult to determine that is because a lot of times trailers or teasers are put together before a composer actually begins to work on it. The thing that we do know is that Ramin is going to be scoring for this show. So because we already know that, we can maybe assume that he did the music for this trailer as well. What we can definitely know is that his themes were used. 
And note that this show is being promoted as Game of Thrones, House of the Dragons, not just House of the Dragon. So it's very appropriate to have the main Game of Thrones theme as part of the trailer. This part. And if you've been listening to any of my podcasts over the years, you know that I've identified the other theme that we heard in this as a Targaryen theme. More so a theme about a Targaryen's relationship with dragons than, say, like specifically for Daenerys herself. And right at the end of the trailer, you can hear a little quote from that theme as well. This one. Now, naturally, when we get the series itself, Ramin will be actively composing new original themes based on probably the characters, but it wouldn't surprise me if we heard these two themes, plus maybe one other theme that wasn't in this trailer occurring regularly in the new show. The other theme that I suspect we're going to hear is one that I know people like to call the Baratheon theme, but it's actually a theme about the Iron Throne itself, the King's Arrives theme. But we won't get into that here. Just wanted to give you a brief musical analysis of this. And once again, lots of synth textures, which has been not the norm for Ramin in terms of Game of Thrones. Is that an indication that he's going to be using more of that kind of end of things? For this new show, we will have to see. What musical themes would you like to hear in the new show coming from the old show? Let me know. Tweet to me at the letter B, the number four, the Dragon Pod on Twitter. You can send emails to mattsaudioblog at gmail.com or just go to mattsaudioblog.com. There's all kinds of information on how to contact me there. That's going to conclude the music analysis for this time around. I want to hear from you. Axel, that's going to do it yep. for us. I really appreciate you coming along, uh, helping me to see things uh, from a, a, a filmmaker's perspective, which is something that, you know, I enjoy hearing, but I know very little about. So that was awesome. And uh, hopefully you and I have learned a lot about some of these characters and uh, who they are and, and what they're doing. Uh, as, and we can get ready for... Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon, uh, this time around. It feels weird to say that. I'm just going to say House of the Dragon from now on. Uh, but the idea of uh, this series makes me really excited. Any final thoughts about this trailer overall before we say goodbye? Um, are we going to start calling it HOD? HOTD? HD? Right? Like we call Game of Thrones GOT. Is it? How about hot with a D? Oh, <laughs> wait, wait. Hot, D, the hot D? Uh oh. The hot D. That's the hot. a little iffy there, Matt. Um, uh, dating myself. Yeah, I don't know. From the hot D is going to work. But uh, let's see. Got, got hod? Got hod? That's what we're going to call it from now on. Got hod. <laughs> um, yeah, this got me into it, man. I'm, I'm excited. I think it looked great. 
It was so fun to sit here and talk about it with you. And I appreciate you every time someone came on knowing who they were and reminding me and Hey people, if you're out there, listen to fire and blood. It's so great. And if you had not ever listened to the game of Thrones uh, or a song of ice and fire or red, uh, it's, it's different. It's more of a history. And I like it in particular because I'm not one who is a big fan of like audio books where there's a lot of acting. I like it when it's kind of just told to you, like someone's just talking to you at a fire or something. Okay. And I, I really appreciate that as well. So thanks for having me on. I'm going to put, like I said, I'm going to put this on the um, podcast Winterfell feed too. So everyone knows that Matt is still podcasting please go subscribe and all that. And I hope your listeners and all the listeners join us. Cause I know we're going to be talking about this show when it airs, baby. Absolutely. And it's going to be great to hear you guys' thoughts over on podcast Winterfell again, folks, podcast winterfell.com uh, is where you find Axel's game of Thrones podcast. He's into way more than just game of Thrones though, folks. So be sure to check out dvrpodcast.com as well. Uh, do you want to give a Twitter handle or have I given it enough? That's good, man. You know what? Just send me some positive vibes instead of going on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> positive vibes coming your way. Thanks, Axel. Thank you.